fans and rule the galaxy fans it is joe once more and i am sitting in the pilot seat today with one of your favorite uh guest hosts that we have on and uh, i'm just so glad he can make time to uh to be on here with us when he's not doing one of his three hour shows it's uh the one and only mr steve glosson steve how are you i'm good man thanks for having me on as always and uh, you know one of these days it's going to catch back on the long form podcast is and I, and people will say, Hey, Steve was doing it when no one else was, but when it wasn't cool, Steve was still doing it. So I look forward to those days when I can look at all you guys are like, well, we're coming down to our hour now. <laughs> Time is up. <laughs> Honestly, uh, if I could figure out a way to do it, uh, every night, three or four hours long and just sit here and talk to different people, I would do that. But between well, now, work and dogs yes. and um, everything else, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I don't think people realize the work that goes into these things. And when you, when I was single and was trying to make it my job, yeah, every night, almost practically every night for two or three hours, I was sitting down talking to different people, having a great time. Um, a full-time job and in marriage kind of makes you say, well... Maybe once every other week I can have an evening to sit down and do this and and uh, and and get some stuff out there to the masses. So I'm you know what? I'm just glad there's somebody actually listening to us. So if that's if that's the case, you know, Brent Dykeman, God love him. I, I say it all the time. Brent Brent said way back in like show number 10 or 11 and we're now at like 210 or 11. Um, you know what, Joe, even if no one was listening, if just our group could sit here and talk like this and make each other laugh i'll keep doing it so that's that's well, there uh, you go yeah that's kind of the thing it's like if you've got people you're doing it with that you're enjoying it doing it then then do it and you guys have enjoyed some growth though over the yeah yeah months you know we, and especially listen you do this to me all the time yeah not only am 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 i on this show that's growing and becoming more and more popular <laughs> and all this stuff and, and, and just, you're just like, Hey, here's our redneck friend here. Um, but, uh, but also once again, I'm following something that I have no business following. You know, I saw where last night at the time of this recording, mm -hmm. you posted Ian McDermott and I'm like, what am I even doing on this show? I have no business being on this show. Well, speaking of that, yes, we did just come back from the ICCC or ICC con in the Nashville area. And Usually, you know, there's a podcast stage there and each of the podcasts come up and do their little shtick for 20 minutes, half an hour. We were we were scheduled to do that. Then some timing conflicts came into place. So we got involved with some other things. And I'm sitting there speaking with a few of the podcast hosts and they said, hey, um, 
Ian McDiarmid's going to be in here in a few minutes. And I said, oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to watch. And they said, would you want to be on stage and ask some questions? And I said, wow. In, in like five minutes? And they said, yeah. I said, I don't even know what I would say to him. And they said, that's okay. Just wing it. And uh, so I did. And uh, one of my, you know, if you do listen to the show, I will say he was just a great gentleman. He answered all of our questions, very polite, uh, very businesslike. And um, I threw him a curveball and I asked about Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Steve Martin and Michael Caine. <laughs> and I asked him about Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp, Christina Ricci, and is it Ricci or Ricci? I it's can't Ricci. remember. Ricci. Come on, Italian man. Well, Ricci. you know, the pronunciation here in the States is different than than in Italy. Um, but uh, he was ready to go. He goes, how many? How much time do you have? He goes, I'll talk no. about those two. And, no. and yeah. I was like, great. Because let's face it, a gentleman who's been in his position for as long as he has, he's probably answered how many of the same Star Wars questions over right. and over again. How many, yeah, how many times can you talk about the makeup process and the voice and being called back to do it again, you know, for the prequels and then yep. turn around and do it again for the sequel and, you know, to, to talk about yeah, again and again and again, those things, it's hard to find a fresh angle to put on those things. And he, like many of the, the stars that do these cons a lot, have his, you know, go-to stories that he likes to tell. Um, and so for you to do that was well done and well played, sir. That's, that's a, that's the way to go. Well, I would, you know, what actually surprised me was I thought I'm going to ask him about these two movies and he's going to say, ah, that was a long time ago. I don't really remember what, and he, he did. He said, how much time do you have? He goes, right. I could talk about those two shows for hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was a little bummed out because I did ask him about, uh, he had, he had mentioned his good friend, Anthony Daniels. And, mm -hmm. and I said, you know, one of my favorite books, well, audiobooks is the Anthony Daniels IMC3PO book. Mm -hmm. And I think it was even better because he was the one who narrated it. And you just felt right, right. the passion of his, right? And I asked him, would would you ever consider doing that? And he said, absolutely not. He goes, I don't want to hear myself speak that much. And I said, okay. <laughs> I, I thought you'd be a good person to to bring that to the table. So I was like, I just thought I would ask. So well that's uh, that that's that self-effacing British and British humor, you know, and <laughs> And, and two, I think sometimes, you know, British people, especially, um, you know, people like him who have these voices that are so recognizable to us and that we love, don't really think much about it. You know, we, right. we, we hear a British accent and we're like, you sound immediately 10 times smarter than your average American. And I will listen to every word you have to say. And for them, it's like, this is just the way I talk. So that, that reminds me of uh, galaxy quest with Alan Rickman. Yes, and, yeah. and where where he goes, you don't, you're not even holding it right. All this time, I thought you were smart, and he was like, "Shut up, I, I'm, I've got it now, right?" I mean, but yeah, he's that was a great, great knockoff of you know space movies, yeah, Star yeah. Trek, what have you. Oh man, it's it's one of the best. Oh, I love that, love that show. Um, you know, if he wouldn't have passed, I bet you they could have pulled off a sequel on that one for sure. Uh, they probably could have. But you know what? There are some things that are best left non-sequelized. You know, th there there are some things that it's like it was great to spend time there. Why mess it up or why potentially mess it up with with a sequel? Um, yeah, I heard uh, John C. Riley talking um, in an interview from years ago, talking about Step Brothers and how everyone always asked him, are they going to do Step Brothers, too? So, and he's like, you know. 
obviously, honestly, it was a great time. I love doing anything I can with Will Ferrell, but I don't know that we'd want to mess up what, what had been done before, you know, it's like dumb and dumber too. Yep. There's no, there's no need for it. You know, the dumb and dumber is this perfect movie. Right. And yeah, I'll fight you over that. It is a perfect movie and there's no need to, uh, to, to, to sequelize it. And we saw what happened when they tried, you know, it yep. just, it just fell flat, unfortunately. Well, it's sometimes it's right to do the Costanza, right? Hit the high note and, right. and walk out. That's right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> well, I'm out. Yeah. That's <laughs> what was that? He hit on the high note. He's gone. <laughs> He's um, out on the high note. That's right. <laughs> but you're right. There are there are so many things that you wouldn't want a sequel to. And and I agree with you. And and Dumb and Dumber, believe it or not, when my wife and I are on vacation, when we used to take DVDs with us mm -hmm. and on yep. long rides, you yep. know, yep. um, we took um, we would always take Dumb and Dumber. We would always take Fever Pitch with uh, uh, goodness. Matt Damon and no, 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 uh, the late night host. Fallon. How am I blanking his name? Jimmy uh, Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yes, for some reason those two movies were always in that list. My wife would watch Dumb and Dumber all the time. So, um, so yeah, the Dumb and Dumber too. That was oh gosh, that was horrendous. But, um, but now we're talking about you know on our show here, Rule the Galaxy. We're talking about movies that have plenty of prequels sequels and everything in between besides meeting the emperor at icc which let's face it i i got pictures i didn't know alfie and ddoc were sneaking pictures of me while i was up there right. i got a chance to put my arm on his shoulder and sit and have a quick one-on-one -on -one about something and they took a picture of that and i've just got it saved i'm thinking how much better does it get than me you've and the gotta, emperor yeah you've got to get that printed out and put up on your wall behind you you've got to move some art over and get that that's <laughs> that's outstanding it is i was cool. just like whoa i cannot believe they caught that but so that was great but i felt really proud about the other interview we did which was with Femi taylor ula mm -hmm. from return of the jedi because let's right. face it how much screen time does Femi taylor have in return of the jedi a few seconds a minute at the most minute and a half maybe and and we went a solid 20 minutes yeah. talking about a little bit of everything she was a very nice lady, very polite, very entertaining. Um, but I, I got a little nervous because they said, hey, you're going to run this show. And I looked at the guys and I said, um, what, what all are we going to ask her for 20 minutes up there? You know, I mean, and but believe it or not, we pulled it off and yeah. I'll be releasing that show very soon because uh, it's just me, D-Doc and Alfie. And well, she, she was great. She was very nice. Me behind, take me behind the scenes. So that was your time on the podcast stage when you guys were talking to her? Uh, so there was some security delays in getting her to the podcast stage. Mm -hmm. So the unfortunate thing was she was supposed to go from 1130 to 12. And then we were supposed to go from 12 to 1230. Gotcha. Just rule the galaxy. Right. Well, she showed up at 12. Right. And and with her showing up at 12, they said, hey, we'll fit you in at another time because we want you to still have your show. Mm -hmm. The problem was we were running back to back to back shows all day. And it just so happened that my wife and I were zooming back to Indianapolis the next day to go to the Indianapolis 500 with my mm -hmm. son. Right. So when they said, hey, can you go at six o'clock tonight? I said, well, we were actually going to leave at six o'clock tonight to drive home to get a few hours sleep to go to the race the next day. And they said, oh, so you can't go tomorrow. And I said, no. And they said, well, I'm not sure where we can fit you in. Then I said, guys, tell you what, I got to interview the emperor. We right. got to inter interview Ula. 
while we didn't get to use the ha have the usual banter between me and Alfie and D-Doc, you know what? It was a good experience, and, and next year I'll ask for an hour instead of half an hour. So, um, but but so, yeah. so I guess what I'm asking is, so were you interviewing her in front of an audience, or did y'all just get kind of yeah. some media time? Okay. Yeah. No, we we um there was on the podcast stage they would let people know the schedule, and um so there were people there waiting to see her get interviewed, just like there were people there for Ian McDermott, and so we had a a, a group of people there watching, of course, the sound and and audio and visual guys. Uh, putting it all together behind the scenes. And then we were up on the stage with the the mics and everything and did the interview up there. So it supposedly went live somewhere, whether it was their YouTube or their Facebook feed. Um, but they were kind enough to give me the audio and visual of it. So yeah. I'll, I'll release it as a podcast cool. uh, soon. Actually, I already released it on YouTube. So it is available on YouTube yeah. right now. But, um, well, but she was great. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, she was there amongst all of the creature shop stuff. She, you know, yeah. there was... You know, she was she interacted with with the Java thing and, um, you know, so and then and then to be back for the to come back, what, 15 years later mm -hmm. for the 14 years later for the special editions, you know, and and still be able to pull off the look and everything that she did is. Yeah, that's a that's quite the story. I think the only person who came back and did reshoots for Return of the Jedi as the same character doing the same character was her. I think yeah. she was the only yeah. one who did that. And um, and so she was really proud of being able to fit into the outfit mm -hmm. 15 years later. But like she said, she was a professional dancer. So she right. got a chance to really keep herself in shape. Uh, so that was good. Uh, she she did say one of her favorite times was Billy D. Because she was in the dark green paint, mm -hmm. no one really knew her ethnic kind of background right and all of a sudden she said i'm sitting there and billy d williams comes up puts an arm around me behind me and goes you know i thought i saw some more you know uh darker skin underneath and <laughs> and she she started cracking up because she was like she goes you know for a now, now i'm not speaking out of turn here right. she said you know for a caucasian a white person mm -hmm. to put the makeup on takes a lot less time and effort because it's yeah. You put the makeup on, you cover up that pale skin right, with a yeah. darker complected person. It takes a lot more effort and a lot more time. And she was like, they were bringing out little jars. And she goes, we need a bucket. You know, she's like, we need yeah, to, yeah. we need to lather it on there. Um, but I love to hear that Billy D. Williams, you know, came up to her and did that. And so well, Billy I D. Thought... Williams, right? Like he had a Colt 45 while he was yeah, talking to right. her, right? Hello, what have we here? Exactly. I believe um, I've spotted some, some darker toned skin, much like myself. <laughs> I but, told George yeah. there should be more black people in this galaxy. <laughs> oh man. So so you know, I did find out that she didn't get to keep the outfit, obviously, yeah. but um she does have the uh she does have the characters. Mm -hmm. Uh she said she's got like a twelve inch, a six inch, and a three inch. So somebody must have made those because right. yeah. I know you'd probably know more than I, but there's probably not a six inch or a there's Hot not a toys 12 inch. or whatever. No, yeah, there's not a there's not a twelve inch that I know of. There may be a statue that someone made, but yeah. um, it sounds to me like what someone might have done is taken, um, like an Ala Secura, um, uh, like a Unleashed statue yeah, or whatever, yeah. and customize it to be Ula dancing. Um, but there is the three and three quarter inch. It yeah. came in a multi pack, I believe, if I recall right. Yeah, she also did make from. she made a comment because the new dancers, which she didn't have to deal with or work with in the first movie, 
Mm-hmm. She was like, those were not professional dancers. She, you know, she yeah. said they were, they were just people in costume pretending to be dancers. And she was like, there was no choreography on their part. And I oh, said, okay. You mean the ones in the special edition? Yeah, in the special yeah. edition. Yeah. So she, she did make a comment on that. But otherwise, she I mean, she was great, right? She was, it was very entertaining. And it was very cool to say, I'm sitting next to, I'm sure how many young men were like, oh my gosh, I'm seeing a girl in a, bikini basically in in star wars right and here we were all these years later 40 years later um sitting there and talking to her and and she was very nice she lives in denmark now so yeah so it was it was a great interview and i was really proud that we could do that on top of me getting a chance to interview ian mcdermott but uh we do have an upcoming interview that we couldn't pull off while we were there and i was very excited you want to talk about somebody who's been super nice to me so far is Vanessa Marshall, who played yes. Hera. Yeah. Um, she, if there's an ambassador out there right now for Star Wars and for Rebels in particular, even with the characters being put in live action now, she was great. I got to watch her do her interview. I got to give her and Ian McDermott a Rule of the Galaxy t-shirt. Nice. Um, so they, she said they both got theirs. Um, and then, uh, but she was great and she, we couldn't figure out the timing. So I think here within the month, we're going to do a uh, Rule of the Galaxy with Vanessa Marshall, uh, just talking to her about all things Star Wars and Rebels and everything like that. Did you know that her mother was an actress as well? Yes. Yeah. I, I had no day, idea. Yeah. Back in the day, was it Dynasty or Falcon Crest her mother was on? Uh, what's her name? Joan Van Ark, I believe. Yeah. 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 It was one of those two, you know, primetime dramas. Yeah, she, was, she was, yeah, big in the, big in the primetime soaps. Vanessa, yeah. tell Vanessa I said hello. Steve from I Geek will. Out Loud and, and Rebel Yell and all said hello. And tell her Teresa says hello as well. She, we we were fortunate enough, but through Teresa, I was fortunate enough to have Vanessa on several times um, on on some different shows and everything. And she is, she's one of us. Like, that's what's so great about Vanessa is Vanessa yes. is one of us. And, um, and so when you talk about uh, geek stuff, Star Wars stuff, she absolutely gets it because not only is she part of it but like she loved it before she was part of it you know yeah and i think that adds so much to her when she comes and does appearances on podcasts and does uh you know does the cons and everything she's genuinely enjoying it and it genuinely matters to her so um she she'll be a great she'll be a great time for you guys to have on she's wonderful i'm looking forward to it and i tell you what uh, you know she she was emailing back and forth with me like oh uh sorry that didn't take place let's get this set up and i'm thinking people don't have to do that right i mean oh, right. there are plenty of these people who wouldn't answer even an email from a guy like me and and she was great and took pictures with me and alfie d doc hadn't shown up because you know let's face it d doc usually shows up late to our show even so <laughs> um <laughs> but but it was great to do that to be involved with everything there uh, there were other cast members and stuff that we didn't get to meet because there was so much to take in. And and we just, between the the shopping, between the cosplay, between the, the droid building and the ship building that was there, it, it was just an incredible little thing. And, you know, quite a bit less expensive than going to a Star Wars celebration, not as big of a crowd. And you still get that feel of, of really being right there in in feel with it right so yeah, yeah. It, it was it was a good time uh hopefully if it keeps going i'll get a chance to get get you at one of those and we'll sit down and we'll get you on the podcast stage with us so um i think that i think they'd accept you on there yeah i think you've done it enough times that uh of course you with 
half an hour. I mean, you have just gotten done with your introductions by that. Right. Half an hour, half an hour. I'm just getting warmed up. It'll be like, all right, everyone <laughs> come over here to the corner and let's keep it going kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so I did, I did want to follow up because I, I know I listened to, uh, you and Shaz and Scott Rifen on your return of the Jedi. Yes. Show, which was a great show. Um, great memories, just great looks into all different parts of that movie and, and right. the memories of that time frame. But one of the things that stood out to me is you were talking about the red lettering. Yes. And yes. and then I had, I was like, wait a minute, I've got this right by my desk. I've had it since I was old enough to see the, you know, when I went to see the movie, so I've had this. A, for, that's an original Return of the Jedi Wastebath. Yep. That's awesome. 1980, whatever. I mean, I don't know if it came yes. out in 82, 83. But yeah, I've had this. My mom saved it for me. That looks beautiful. That's in great shape and everything too. You didn't really kick it around much. A little, a few dings here or there. But yeah. you know what? To have it still forty years later, I, I feel pretty good about it. And and as soon as you were talking about the red lettering, it made me just go, huh? Yeah. I know, I know exactly yeah. the red lettering they're talking I, about. I there. love, I love a lot of that kind of stuff from the from the eighties, from the early eighties with the Return of the Jedi. I feel like a, a lot of the. I, I feel like they really hit their stride in some of their marketing stuff with, with Return of the Jedi. And that's why it's kind of, in some ways, it's unfortunate they, they didn't get to move forward with a little bit more here and there. I know we had the Ewok adventure and, um, you know, the Ewok movies and then the cartoons and the droids and the Ewoks and everything. But right to, uh, but that that style of, of stuff they had, you know, like, but, like that that trash can you just showed is a piece of art in and of oh. itself. I mean, that's painted... Like they, that's not put through Photoshop and made to look, you know, put through a paint filter. You know, that's, that's some incredible, incredible artwork there. And um, yeah, I, the whole thing, like, gosh, I love that Imperial side. It's so cool. Looking oh there. yeah. It's, and, I mean, uh, I, I hope I, you know, I've got a grandson now. If he, uh, if he wants me to hand it down to him and he's a big Star Wars fan, he can have it, but you're right. It, it was fantastic stuff. And I, I was thinking about, listening to your memories and the things going on, because I know Scott said Star Wars never went away for him. Right. And right, it, right. And it didn't for me inside, it didn't mm -hmm. deep down inside, but I, I went, I was going through, like I have kids and it, you know, at different times they had those teen years, right. To where sure. it was trying to figure things out. And, and my youngest is still trying to do that. But my tough time was, right about the time that jedi and the year after that 83 84 mm -hmm. we moved twice new school i'd been in all the gifted classes my entire life right i i was a straight a student i was comic books and star wars and superheroes and i was going through a rebellious stage like we moved and moved and i didn't know anyone and i said i'm going to put all this away in a closet because I need to be a different me. I have to try being a different Joe because <laughs> my parents have punished me and made me move and meet new friends. And so it really, for a couple of years, it kind of did go just in a closet for me because as it died off, I was trying to figure myself out. And, yeah. uh, but I tell you what, once it got to be 1991 and Heir to the Empire came out, it just, it was, you know, game over. I was back in and I was, I was Mr. Star Wars again. So, you know, I think that's true for a lot of people. I think that, um, that, that, that was the moment for, for tons of folks. And I, you know, and, and I'm, 
I was young enough that, you know, I was six when it came out. Mm -hmm. And four years later, when I was 10, we moved from Athens, Georgia, down to Hazelhurst, Georgia, uh, Hazel Hell, Georgia, as I like <laughs> Um, but, uh, but we moved there and, and I took a while to make real friends or, or good friends, you know, and, um, I never kind of let go of the Star Wars stuff, even as a teenager and, you know, moving, we basically packed up my stuff for me to go to college, you know, put it in, yeah. put it in storage for me to go to college, never sold Star Wars stuff. Never. It was always there in the closet kind of thing, you know, and, and it became, it morphed into more of a, well, this is my collection rather than these are my toys. Right. But, but I never said it. I had a Star Wars poster on my, you know, my, my door for the longest time, my bedroom wall. And I remember like a lot of people have been talking the Bendems, you know, mm -hmm. talking about how Bendems were the first thing back on the shelves. And I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think micro machines were first. I think oh. the little ships from, from micro machines may have been before Bendems because I had those on a bookshelf and like a chest of drawers because they came with the little stands. And I don't mean the action fleet. I mean like the tiny little guys. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Packs of three. And I remember just kind of dropping, a you know, two or three bucks on those. Like, well, this is really cool. And these look really neat. I'll just kind of put them on my computer desk or whatever. And, um, and that was when it was like, well, now that was the beginning of displaying the stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and, and making that space your own. And, um, but I remember that the things I were excited the most to get from that, those micro machines were, were not sand crawlers and land speeders. It was of course, the millennium Falcon, of course, X-Wings, but man, when they came out with the B-Wing and, oh. Job is cell barge and the and the return of the Jedi leaning stuff that just always felt like it was more in my wheelhouse. Return of the Jedi has just always been kind of my favorite era and favorite part of the of the Star Wars saga because it's just it's the perfect ending to this great story. Yeah, I I would agree with you on on it being the perfect ending like that. I loved what you guys talked about on the show with that. I, the funny thing is is Scott and I are the same age, so right. hearing his memories. And the way he was thinking about it as we were heading into our teens, mm -hmm. right? When, when Jedi came out and then Alfie and you are the same age. Yeah. So hearing him say, well, the first one that I really remember being at the theater and like taking it full on in was he was six for Jedi. Right. Like I was six for a new hope. Mm -hmm. um, and, and same with you being, you know, six or so for Jedi. So I can get it because that's you know star wars to me was being that six-year-old yep yep that it just was like the world has changed right so by the time you're 13 and the world is changing in mm -hmm. so many ways around you that's where it was like man i missed out on that final 17 man i missed out on you know all those extra little things that came out at the end that they were that now today are worth how much money and are so collectible it's stupid it's stupid. It, it is it is but it, but I like to see the perspective. I like your perspective and Alfie's perspective compared to guys like me and Scott, who we were on that first run. And by the mm -hmm. time Jedi came out, we could not believe what was happening. And, you know, thinking this is it, right? This is a you know, 12 year old, 13 year old kid thinking this is it. It's the last we're going to see, you know, and, and wow, where are we going to go from here? So, yeah, I, I thought that was really great to hear those different perspectives uh, from you guys. Um, I did like, 
one of the things you guys spoke about was the lines. The lines in Return of the Jedi, some of the best ones, some, you know, some, not only the lines, but taking things to the next level. I think Return of the Jedi, obviously Empire did that, but then Return of the Jedi even took it another step, mm -hmm. made everything just that much better. The, the line that you guys brought up, where it's, how are we doing? That bad, huh? I mean, yeah, you know, same as always. <laughs> that that stands out to me. Oh, I was born here, you know. Oh, you're going to die here, you know. It's convenient. You know, yeah. convenient. <laughs> I mean, Han Solo, between that, the shrug on, on, on Indoor, you know, those things right there, and then finishing with Luke, you know, I'm a Jedi like my father. You know, I mean, that those lines right there will stick with you and they they just they were so well timed right, right. whether it was humor or whether it was you know deep deep drama there were some great lines in that show that movie that that will stick with you forever well i maintain and i'm not trying to tear one down to build the other up i i i love the original trilogy and there's mm -hmm. no love loss whatsoever for me and i, I absolutely am not tearing down empire to build up Jedi, but I will say that I think a lot of what people read into empire sometimes is a result of what was carried out in, in Jedi. Um, you know, we all love the, you know, the, I love you. I know. And we get mm -hmm. to see Han be a little bit of a smart aleck in, in, um, in empire. And that, and that's there from the get go. The sarcasm is there from a new hope, especially oh, yeah. late. someone get this big walking carpet out of my way. <laughs> You came in that thing. You're braver than I thought. You know, there, there's all that, but all of, but when you get to Jedi and you have those conversations, how we doing? Same as always that bad, huh? <laughs> there you see that somewhere between new hope and empire. And even with empire, when Luke, you know, says, take care of yourself, you know, he's, he's concerned mm -hmm. about Han leave when he's going to leave. And, and Han's kind of given a look at Luke and, and, there's something that has happened in in the interim between this New Hope and, and Empire, where there was a real camaraderie developed between those characters, and so the banter and Luke and 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 what we see at Jedi when Luke's having those conversations with uh, with Han and he's not wincing, he's not backing down. <laughs> we see that Luke has grown up a little bit. You know, he's now he's not the kid anymore. Right. You know, he's he's now Luke, and he's and his friend Han is who he's rescued. And so when Han says, you know, I think I'm, my eyesight's getting better. Instead of a big dark blur, I see a big light blur. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Luke says, there's nothing to see here. I was born here, you know, and then, and then <laughs> not to be outdone, you know, well, you're going to die here. Convenient. Convenient. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, but it's, it is, it's a, it is the culmination of everything. And there's real growth in all of those characters from one to the next to the next, you know, Leia, Leia softens up a little bit you know by the by the time you get to return and not in a bad way not in a not in a way that like well she was no good before it's that she had her walls up and she you know she's she's fighting a battle you know yep. and and then now she has these people that she's come to trust and, and truly be friends with so that when she gets the bomb dropped on her that she's the daughter of vader you know never forget luke's not just saying he's my father He's saying, you're my sister, ergo, he's your father too. Yeah. This is a man who had overseen her torture and interrogation on the Death Star. This, you know, and so she's absolutely disgusted by and it. And killed the only family she ever knew. Yes. And her whole world is now rocked by that. So that when Luke goes off, she's not only concerned about her friend and brother, 
but she's also learned this terrible news and now here comes Han and she's like, I can't do anything but just fall into your arms. You know, like he gets a little snippy, you know, back and forth, but watch him hunt as much as Leia has softened. So has Han yep. because Han says, you can tell Luke that's you can tell and she turns away and he's going to walk away. But instead of walking away, you know, mm -hmm. instead of I can arrange that he could use a good kiss and just storming off. He turns around. He says, Leia, I'm sorry. Yep. You know, and she just says, hold me. And so there's this, you know, there's the love between them that has grown and there's the, there's the softening of both. And there is, you know, Harrison Ford is, is really like, well, there's really nothing else for Han Solo to do. There's no growth in his character, but there is throughout those movies. Mm -hmm. you know? And there's a new hope is the biggest growth, you know, the turning around and coming back to that suicide mission to, to help Luke out and to blow up the death star. But then by the time you get to return of the Jedi, he's a general, he volunteered, for the ground mission you know what and i mean didn't even so, tell them right they didn't even so tell anybody so that's huge you know and it's gonna be tough pal i didn't want to speak for you you know that that kind of stuff but it's the, the the thing is is like i think that a lot of people miss the the character development and and everything that goes on from from movie to movie to movie you're not just dealing with the same characters in a different situation again and and that's where it differs in some ways from so many sequels sequels have gotten a bad rap for years and years and years because most of the time sequels were just trying to rehash what the original has done. I mean, the, you take a, a lethal weapon, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the producer for lethal weapon said there is no growth. It's, we know what works. This is a formula, yep. blow some stuff up, bad guys, yep. problems. Too old guys for this. <laughs> Yeah. Too old for this. Yeah. Exactly. All of it. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, but they're, but they're eternally too old for this stuff. <laughs> um, you guys are talking about uh, advancement and pushing things. I think two of the things that stood out to me the most, the the first one that stood out to me the most was the scene where the emperor shows up and all those troopers, whether it's a map painting or not, mm -hmm. all those troopers and, and, you know, Royal guards, biker scouts, you know, regular troopers, yeah. Imperial commanders, they're all lined up in that, in that landing yeah. you know yeah. area and that right then and there you were like okay hold on we're we're ramping this up to another level here mm -hmm. right i mean yep. where have yep. we seen this kind of amount of numbers and variety all in one place at one time and i love that scene it's one of my favorites of all time just seeing all that variety and seeing all those people lined up i think it's great shows yeah. the importance of him being there everything like that but it also gives you the scope of the Death Star in a way that we'd not gotten before. You know, we'd seen on the original Death Star a little squadron down there by the Millennium Falcon and everything in the in the hangar bay, but everything else those those hallways and everything were so narrow and so tight that yeah that you only saw a handful of stormtroopers at a time. There's two that are you know walking across with Obi Wan has to uh you know distract. There's there's five or six that are after Leia. There's you know eight or ten right. that are after Han. And you until the special some, edition where there's a billion in one room. Right, right. Until it turns, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I'm saying like for just in 83, it's like, oh, oh yeah. wow, there's a lot of people there. And then at the end when they're all running through the hangar and everything's going on, it is, um, you know, you're like, wow, there's a lot of people on this thing. It's a big, it really is a big deal. And and it's almost bigger than the mind can 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 fathom a space station being, you know, or, oh, or yeah. of operations being, but um, but yeah, it, I, that, that stuff was awesome, it, you know, and look, 
I'll never forget the Royal Guards walking mm. out of that Imperial shuttle before the Emperor does. And I'm like, these, this is the coolest <laughs> thing Star Wars has ever had <laughs> is the Royal Guard. And I'm still a sucker for, you know, a Royal Guard action figure, you know, black series, um, three and three quarter inch vintage collection, whatever. The, I'm still a sucker for the Royal Guard just because I just have always dug that look, you know, and I was so glad to to see that evolution in the prequels. Uh, mm -hmm. You start with the blue guards that have the open face and the, you know, the plume on top. But by the time you get to attack of the clones and beyond they're now they're the, they're the straight up Imperial guard. And it's awesome. I think a long time ago when you and I were doing a show, we mentioned uh, the action figures and what mm -hmm. made some of these action figures stand out was that pop of color. Yep. yep. And sure. the Royal guard, is one of those right ones there. where you're looking, yeah. everything's white, black, drab, brown, all yep. that, and all of a sudden, yep. bam, Boom, it just hits you. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. if, you, if you if you line all of the figures up, you're gonna you there's a lot of whites, there's a lot of tans, a lot of blacks and browns, and but then suddenly you hit boom, Greedo. You hit <laughs> uh, you know with his fluorescent green, you hit the the X-wing pilot Luke. Oh and yeah. You hit, uh, you hit Walrus Man. Walrus Man, and uh, and, and even to a point, maybe because of his his stuff that he's wearing Hammerhead. But then yeah. it goes on for a while. That's why Boba Fett and Bosk stand out, I think, to a lot of people. Bosk especially is a fan favorite because this pop of yellow. But then when you get to that Return of the Jedi line, and it's that red Royal Guard. I mean, like you're just kind of going down the line, and boom, boom, boom. There's a handful that really stand out above the rest. That honestly, if you start talking to people, you'll discover that those figures are some of their favorite figures. Yep, from their childhood. And I think I, it comes down to that pop of color. You know, it's just something in our—I don't—I don't want to say lizard brain, but you know, in our <laughs> in our in our childhood brain that that kind of maintains that special affinity for them. Two other things that I wanted to hit on with Jedi before we hit on some other things. One. Pushing it to the next level, I think we both have to agree. The speeder bike chase, um, and then the video on how they made it, yeah, and all that kind of stuff, it just that took it to where you thought, what can't be done in movies? And that was in 1983, right? Yeah. I mean, well, you you think about you think about the speeder bike chase, and you think about they walk through the forest with that steady cam on, <laughs> and and get the footage. You know, and that's neat and that's great and everything. But now the the not only do you have now the composite photography that has to be done where you're overlaying, you mm -hmm. know, these effects on top of it, but you just have to make the chase match up with the 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 footage that you got. Right. I'm sure I mean you've got storyboards and stuff, but you can't storyboard here's a big log that's tipped over in the <laughs> in the forest. You know what I mean? Like right that 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 kind of thing is like all right well we'll throw this in there there's some there's a little bit of special effects improv going on you know with with that and it, yeah and it it was something absolutely new and fresh what had we seen like that before that we saw the land speeder which was basically vaseline on the lens to blur out the wheels i mean <laughs> right. seriously that's right. what it was and and so now that's not there now you see them jump onto these things and they're flying, they're zipping around, they're doing camera motions around them. You're seeing them uh in you're seeing them in one shot be there and then take off, you know. Right. And that's, that's and outstanding. To, 
and you know to have those effects where they blow up against trees or where you know different right. things like that is incredible to try to match that in to that high speed chase yeah but i think one of my favorite parts of star wars ever is when luke does that snap hiss with yes. that green lightsaber yes the noise from that and the color of that in that mm -hmm. forest yep wow yep. i mean that was just well, well dig this man when you get to episode 1 and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are at the very beginning. They gas the room. Mm -hmm. the doors open up, you know, and here come the lightsabers and choom, 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 you know, all the fighting. And they're just deflecting lightsaber blasts. None of us are surprised by that. None of us are looking at that saying, oh, that's so cool. I can't believe lightsabers did it. Why? Because the first time we ever saw that done was Luke against a, a, a speeder bike. Yeah, you're deflecting right. Deflecting laser blasts. We've never... We saw Vader with his hand do that to Han Solo, right. but now Vader's hand's metal. Maybe that's the key. You know, <laughs> maybe it is the force, but here's this lightsaber, you know, throwing off laser blasts from a speeder bike and, and then that chop, you know, on the stabilizer oh. at the front. And yeah, that's a, that is just such a cool moment. It is Luke's a Jedi, you know, yeah. like that's the thing. It's like, he is a Jedi. Does, is he the best ever? Not yet, you know, but he has the potential now to be there, you know? And I, I, yeah, that's, I agree with you a hundred percent from the moment Luke takes the dive off of the thing. Yes. Like the way he flows the through, barrel it, roll. you know, yeah. it's very much a, um, it's very much a, a, a wrestling mindset. Like keep your ten, chin tucked and land as, you know, flat as you can. <laughs> and, and when he gets up, you're right. That hiss of the, the snap hiss of the lightsaber and, and just the way it stands out in that forest setting is is wonderful it is and and the other thing that i want to hit on was it, it's something i haven't really thought about in a long time because you know in 1983 84 whatever you're right we were like okay that's it right they're not going to do anymore and after a few years you start thinking okay well they're really not going to do anymore george is off doing his other things that he wants to try and do um well, he was raising but, his kids more than anything. True. You know, like true. that's, that's what was going on. Because they just gone through the divorce, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, but but to think about here we were thinking those things and looking at that. And I, I don't know if it's you or Scott mentioned it, but literally you could have finished those three movies and never made another Star Wars movie. And I think right. people would still be doing podcasts today based off just those three movies. Maybe, I, I, maybe. Um, I, I, I think that. Well, you know, here's the thing: it, there is a truth to the fact that there was a time there where, at convention, Star Wars figures were in the bins under the table, mm -hmm. and you could pull them out, you know, five six bucks a pop, and you know, walk away with a almost a full set of Star Wars figures. And and it wasn't until the resurgent insurgents in the nineties that, you know, things started to really ramp up with, with star Wars and particularly the vintage collectibles and everything. But, you know, I, I do think that there would have been a fandom that the nostalgia stuff would have been put out sure. you know, for us and the t-shirts and everything. And, and I don't know that, I don't know that I could do a whole podcast on three <laughs> movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> A, a continual podcast but there'd definitely be like it's star wars month here on yeah, Geek Out yeah. Loud, you know and we're going to focus all star wars all the time and 
break down each character and do these different things and forceology and all the other stuff, you know, that, that maybe I've done with star Wars just within the scope of that trilogy. I will say this, that if it were just the trilogy, um, there would be such, there'd be so much more harmony in the, yes. in the fandom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but there's also, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I was watching there's, I don't want to plug another YouTube channel on, on here. Go ahead. There's, there's a YouTube channel I was watching the other day called toy Federation there. It's a toy store based out of Greenville, South Carolina. And it's pretty cool because they're just kind of doing the, they're not going on toy hunts. They're not going on, um, you know, they're not like showing off too much. They're just kind of, here's we're day-to-day running and, and what they have are people bringing stuff in or they're showing stuff that people are buying from the store. Right. And the dude who's kind of the head dog, he's just real chill and kind of an, you know, you just laid back and, um, and someone brought in several tubs of old GI Joe. And I don't mean GI Joe, a real American hero. I'm talking, you know, sixties GI Joe, the 12 inch, 12 stuff, inch. You know, with all the costumes and everything. And the guy was like, here's the thing. A lot of people who love this, line aren't around anymore yeah and he's like so this line is kind of this part of the gi joe line is kind of fading into obscurity and not really being collectible anymore as far as in on the toy market and he's like it's still people still buy it and it still you know has some value for some folks but you know that age group that would be buying it for nostalgia chasing it down they're not as much around anymore well we're going and i got that got me thinking i'm like are we going to see that with vintage star wars you know is your grandson even if your grandson's a huge fan of of star wars is he going to try to chase down five poa action figures when by the time he's you know an adult and if he decides he wants to maintain being a collector or whatever he'll probably be buying 3d uh 3d prints (laughs) i mean seriously 3d print files from hasbro to print his own figures out that sort of thing you know um because 3d printing is becoming more and more accessible to everybody and and there are more and more people putting up designs that you just download and load the file into your wow. 3D printer and go and and so hasbro you know there's a there's a market that may be developed for that kind of thing you know um and and like I don't understand NFTs and all that, but that seems to be the precursor to it. You know, like here's some copyrighted files that, you know, anti-piracy stuff and everything would, would cause you to, I'm going to spend $10 now on Hasbro's website for this Jedi Luke action figure, you know, and you print them out in seven or eight parts and you snap them all together, you know, and the only problem then is the paint apps and that sort of thing that you'd have to deal with. But what I'm saying is, is, is I think that, there's going to come a moment where there's an age yeah. group that looks back and says, I don't really care to have a, a vintage Admiral Akbar. You know, I don't, I don't care to have a vintage. Why, why do I want to try to track down an R2D2 that has a label that's peeling off of it? When look at this better R2D2 over here, not to You're mention, probably right. Not to mention six inches kind of become the, the order of the day for a lot of folks and a lot of collectors. I don't fully understand that, but I mean, you know, especially when it comes to star Wars, though, I have been involved in the black series collection myself, you know, but, um, but I just, I wonder if there's going to come a day when, when that kind of becomes the case for, 
for vintage Star Wars because you know it it's got to come to an end at some point. You know, I, at some point people are going to have to either it's either just not going to be as as sought after because of all the other stuff that gets put out there. When you think about the original trilogy now, and that's all that vintage Star Wars is is the original yep. trilogy. You're talking about six hours of uh, of of material out of. 12 let's see what 12 18 hours of movie yep and however many hours of television you know you're, you're talking about a very minuscule even though it is the foundation on which it's all built right you know you're still talking about a very minuscule part of that and so um and they keep I, making improvements and making better versions of the things that we bought yeah, anyway well, sure. yeah. i mean like you said i mean i'm looking at these right behind me and i'm thinking oh my gosh i love this you know, Luke in Bespin Fatigues, right? Yes. Well, yep. when you can go get a six inch or an updated version of that to where it's truly detailed, you know, more points of articulation, yep. people are going to jump on that. I mean, it's just the yeah. way, it's just the way things go, but you're right. It's sad because I mean, let's face it for quite a while in our history, you know, army men and uh, the little metal soldiers from, you know, Revolutionary War and yeah. Civil War kind of things were the toys that little boys played with, right? Yep, yep. Um, you don't see a lot of people really searching. I mean, there right. are that select few. Right. Very, yeah. very, very few. niche. Very, yeah. very niche. Yeah. But they're not. They're not out there. You know, having conventions based off just that. So. But you know, and also, also, Joey. You know, when I was a kid, my toys were. I was Andy from Toy Story, you know, mm -hmm. like my toys mattered. And I, and I think that that's a, a thing of, and not, and, and it's not a commentary on whether it's good or bad. I think it's just, it is what it is that I don't think that's the, the, where we're at anymore in, in, in the life of childhood. I think a toy is just a toy. It's a trinket to kind of play with yeah. until I can get to my screen until I can get to my sport, you know? Yep. Um, and, and I'm not, that's not commentary on good, bad, or otherwise, regardless of what my opinion is, that's just the way it kind of is. That it's just a change. Yeah. They're not as valued by kids as they used to be. No, and, not know, at all. We were coming up and that's just the way of the world. You know, I think I valued toys more than my dad valued his toys. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just, it is the way of the world, but we also, I, and this is another thing I was thinking about just from the generation that we were in you know, that, that late seventies into the mid eighties kind of childhood that most of us enjoyed or had, um, th that whole era, especially when you hit the eighties and the FCC regulations on children's programming are lifted and the toy, you know, toy manufacturing, everything just exploded line to the television. And yep. so, you know, the, the, the shelves were just, there was a glut of product, you know, that, all had either some short-lived cartoon or a comic or something attached to it where, you know, the, these toy companies didn't just put a toy out and see if it sold and then make coloring books and sheets and everything. They went ahead and went whole hog on it because the idea was we could be He-Man. We could be the next yep. Transformers. We could be the next whatever. And, and, and I think that for many of us that grew up in that era, that was the pop culture. That was the thing. And, and, and these things became precious in, in a way to us because they filled our lives as children. It wasn't just a part of my life, you know, it filled our lives as kids. 
And, and so now moving forward, I think that's why nostalgia is so strong for people in my generation mm -hmm. is because there's something about adulthood where that tends to die off. But now we've got a company making sectars for crying out loud. And sectars is one of the most niche things. But when I see it, there's a, there's a shot of nostalgia that runs through me that is like, oh, I remember when these came around, never got into it not going to buy this from this new company because it doesn't mean that much to me. But man, I remember seeing those on the shelves. I remember buddies who had those and I remember, you know, that kind of plague thing. Um, Sectar is right over my head. Don't well, even, well, don't there even you know. go. See, that's, that's <laughs> the thing though. But see, that was one of those things of the glut of the eighties. Bionic yeah. six is something that, um, that was this toy. They were all die cast. All the figures were like die cast metal. I think Tonka might've made them, you know? And, and it's like, I never messed around with those. I've seen some here and there. But I get a little bit of nostalgia when I see the packaging or when I see the figure. Not that I ever had them, but it's like this was all part of the little pieces that made up uh, yeah. uh, you know, that that era of childhood. And pop culture, the the love of pop culture exploded in a way that I don't think it had before in the 80s, in, in the late 70s into the 80s. So that so that now what's happening is is you have all of these entertainment and toy companies trying to capitalize on that or recreate that and that's mm -hmm. why you know there's nothing new under the sun to come out of hollywood or television it all seems like it's just recycled you know properties and that sort of thing ip becomes so important because but th that's going to fade away because our generation is going to fade away as sure. all generations do and and i'm a I, I, I'm curious, not afraid. I'm just curious. I'm I'm wondering what will be left behind. What levels of creativity are going to be left behind um, when when we're not just relying on the nostalgia bump anymore? You know, I'm uh, I'm interested as well because nieces and nephews, family friends who have kids who are at that age where you should be in our time frame, playing with toys, reading comics, all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. They go directly to their uh, not say anything bad against them. They go directly to their screen or they go directly to YouTube. Yeah. yeah. And they watch other people experience, experience things. Yeah. yeah. And, and you and I would say, okay, there's a stick over there in my yard. Guess what? That's my lightsaber. Yeah. My buddy over there's got, um, you know, a toy pistol, you know, one of those snap guns, cap yeah, guns or whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. his laser. That's his, you know, that's his laser gun. Yes, I've got a lightsaber with a stick. Let's go. We're on an adventure. And I watch these kids and I'll say, what are you watching? Well, I'm watching this person. What do they do? Well, they do this and I watch them do it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. what is it? I mean, do they make anything? Do they? No, no. They just, they're going to go in this house and destroy this, or they're going to go over here and play this video game. And I'm going, Okay, but that's just a sign of me being a grandfather. Well, in some ways, yeah. I mean, and I'm I'm just as guilty of it. You know, we we sit and watch uh, YouTube channels where people go and try exotic foods and stuff. You know, and I'm... and like these travel things. There, and so I'm just like, well, that's you know. So I get it. I understand the appeal. Sure. When someone's when I see a thumbnail of someone holding a weird undersea creature, they're like, we're going to eat this thing. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> yes, sir. Let me watch you and see what it's all about. <laughs> you know, But I also understand that. So I understand the appeal of that. And I understand the appeal of even a kid watching, you know, someone unbox a toy or, sure. 
you know, or destroy someone's bathroom. You know, I, I totally understand the appeal of that, but I also understand that we watch Double Dare every day. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and I also understand that, you know, so I understand where that's coming from in, in, in the in the child's mind. But I also know that we were told turn off the TV and go outside. Um plenty you of know, times. We we had to interact with people in the neighborhood. We had to interact with <laughs> friends at school. And and we had to learn how to cope with yeah. with things. Yeah. And I don't want to again, I don't want to <clears> turn <throat> but I, I I'm saying all that to say that I, I go back to the original point of so this stuff that we love so much, these <laughs> collectibles and everything that we love so much, I don't know, like I feel like if I can hang on till I'm 80, I might be able to actually amass a whole collection for a decent price. You know what I'm <laughs> well, I outlive everybody. So, so speaking of collecting things, I have over the past few years, I, I got into like we all do. We got into, you know, oh my gosh, I have to have this. I have to have that. That's going to make me feel better if I go get that one piece I'm missing or, yeah. hey, I, I really like Kenobi and Luke. So I'm going to make sure I get all the Kenobis and all the Lukes, right? Yeah. I've I've started to now with hitting that fifty wall, having a grandson, saying, "What what's something else that makes me happy, but maybe doesn't have to sit in a box somewhere, or maybe doesn't right, have to be right. in a closet until the kids want to play with it or whatever." And so I've recently won, as you can see behind me. I I love art stuff related yeah, to Star yeah. Wars, but I I had some things I wanted to show you. So if you're yes. if you are watching or listening on YouTube, watching on YouTube, you'll see this. For those of you listening on the podcast, go check out YouTube stuff. But I've started I'm to get to put on where, my old man glasses. You're right. So this artist made. Uh, I was at the Indiana Toy Comic Convention a while back. He made this Ahsoka, which, I mean, it's 11 yeah. by 17. It's absolutely fantastic. Is that on um, a canvas? Um, no, it's just, no, well, okay. it's, it looked, it's, it looked three-dimensional. It, it's a, it's a hard back. I mean, it's a, it's, it's on a hard, okay. you know, yeah. thing there. I haven't put it in a frame yet, so I'm going to do that. Who's the artist on that? Um, you, name? you know what? They put their initials down here in the corner, but I bought it six months ago. So it's been sitting here yeah, remember. Yeah. waiting for me to put it up on the wall. Um, one thing that I wanted to show you, I found this at a garage sale. And I thought you'd oh, get man. a kick out of Come this. On. This Darth wow. Vader, which I can't find anywhere online. It's got a signature down here at the bottom, but I can't make out what it is. I can't make it out either from, from this angle. Can you bring it closer to the thing? I will. There we go. Well, that's definitely a J at the start, isn't it? It could be. But, I mean, it was like... Just a watercolor of a yeah, kind of a odd Darth Vader. I couldn't find it anywhere, but I saw it at a garage sale, and they're like, "Ah, oh, we'll take ten bucks for it." And I said, "Sold." I mean, I'd, I've never seen this in fifty years of life. I, I want that Darth Vader, and now I've got a place to put it in my office here. But um, so this weekend at the I Triple or last weekend at the I Triple C, I, I found. I'm sorry. I, now, now I'm wanting to know about this Darth Vader painting. Oh yeah, let me ask I, you this. Yeah. Is it it do you think it's a watercolor print for sure? It's well, um it's eleven by seventeen. I know yeah. that. Um let me see if there's any more details on it. Uh, I don't have any more details. I mean, you know what? I wonder if I can take it out of this frame. No, don't worry about it right now. I'll tell you what, yeah. Rifen Rifen is so good at seeing artwork and seeing signatures like that and generally knowing who it's from I, i'll send him a picture audience knows i guarantee you 
Rifen does. It wouldn't hurt you to take a picture of that and send to him and see if he recognizes. I it. will do that. Speaking of which, he, he knows. Yeah, stuff I, I tweeted out last night. I was somehow the great outdoors was on with John Candy and Dan Aykroyd. They were drinking out of Burger King, Return of the yes, Jedi yes, glasses. Sir. Yep. Yep. And I had never paid attention to that. And I stopped the frame, <laughs> took a picture, and then posted it on Twitter. I was like, I cannot believe this. Yep. Um, yep. So I found this this artist who Big Bear. Big Bear chased me. <laughs> um, who I just really like her work. Her name's mm. Brittany Ann, Brittany Ann Art. She does more of a cartoony, almost a Disney yeah. kind of feel of art. Yeah. And I said, okay. And she had a whole if anybody you should go check her out Brittany Ann art she's fantastic but she does it in a in a style that i just really like so i grabbed these three prints here's a oh Captain wow America. yeah yeah so i, I love i love this mm -hmm. um then because you know my affection for a miss mara jade uh she had a luke mara jade yeah. print yeah which again more of a disney eyed you know but this because my wife is such a big fan of friends nice she made this and wow. i can tell you right right now she was selling like she was taking every movie poster from the movies and actually right. making them like this um well, that's but I, cool yeah so i i went to her and she's going to be on the show soon because i feel like she should have her artwork promoted and i want people to know about it but i asked her if she would ever make this with the original trilogy cast mm. And she said, I would probably need to get that commission because I don't make that. And I said, well, if you will tell me what it takes to commission it, I will go to everybody who follows Rule of the Galaxy. And I'll say, who wants to chip in and be a part of this? Because we're going to get, you know, Luke, Han, Chewie, Leia, R2, and 3PO sitting like the friends at uh, in that, you know, coffee shop right there all together. I, I, but her work's great. But I just thought I'm, I'd her, I'm on you. her website right now. She's got Marvel. She's got DC. She's got um, Star Wars. She's she does great work. But um, uh, she did a quick snippet interview with us on the floor. I already posted it out, and uh, well, I just I think that she, I like that Return of the Jedi one. She's got like oh yeah said, the movie posters deal. Oh she yeah that was great. She had it full size. She had it poster size. I think it was wow. like two hundred bucks full poster size. But she has smaller versions as well. Yeah yeah yeah. The um, but uh, but yeah, she's she does great. But I, you know, because we're, I'm just changing over some of my collection, changing over some of the things I'm focusing on. I feel like these are things that I can put up on my wall. They they make me happy, right? But you know, sometimes when you're married or your parent, you know, my parents are still around. They look and go, "Yo, you're in your fifties. You're still buying toys." You know, I mean, yeah, okay, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. But if I show them that I've got a 11 by 14 print on my wall. They don't, they don't they think, Oh, that's, that's a really cute, right, you know, right, painting right. over there or whatever. So um, I've got a, I've got a so, good yeah. friend. I've got a good friend who I met because of the podcast. His name's rich and rich goes to a lot of cons and he, for a lot of, uh, there was a long time there where he'd be going through and he'd see stuff that he'd think I would like, and he'd pick up these prints and mail them to me. And and so I had this stack of just artwork, you know, the same, same kind of thing. And I just have no wall space for it, Yeah. but I've started getting some of it framed and hanging up. So I've got a piece of art over in one corner. That's uh, it's signed by Stan Lee and it's him surrounded by a bunch of Marvel mm. characters. And, and I'd have to get close to tell you who did it. Um, I've got a Boba Fett that, you know, blasting his way out of the Sarlacc that, 
looks great. And, and so, and then, um, on rebel force radio, they were talking uh, when I was on there for a Mandalorian thing back in season one, they were talking about someone who did the prints where they made it look like old school comic covers. Really? Mandalorian. And so I ordered two of them and the guy sent me three, you know, and so I've got those frames. They're above the hutch of my, my computer desk here. And, um, and yeah, I've, I've got stuff that people have sent through the years. And so I absolutely love stuff like that, but I have no wall space, you know, and, um, and I get so you. I'm, I've got a print up there. You can kind of see it over my shoulder, over my shoulder here. That is, well, there's Luke, but I then Luke. directly above Luke is a, is a print from an artist that did a Christopher Reeve Superman, like with his arm around Super Grover from Sesame street. And they're just <laughs> kind of looking at each other. And I love super program. I love that right next to Luke. And that I think is the Yoda. And then on the other side of the Yoda is a, is a Darth Vader in that same kind of, uh, style. And I've got a Boba Fett that I have no wall space for, but they used to yeah. be hanging up in my star Wars room back in the day that and, and old movie posters from, mm -hmm. from some of my favorite movies I dig, you know, those star Wars posters, a lot of them, especially that return of the Jedi poster, like the one that I see here on Brittany art is, um, is one of my favorite posters of all time. And it's the one that has Luke standing. It's kind of like it pyramids down with mm -hmm. Luke he's standing there with the lightsaber and it comes in. Um, that's one of my favorite posters of all time that, and then there's the, uh, Darth Vader's helmet in the star field of the empire strikes back. Um, it's just a cool look, you know, because it's almost, it's almost fine Darth Vader, you know, in a way, but it's very prominent. You can tell it's Darth Vader, but, but it's just surrounded by this star field and, and, and it's got the empire strikes back logo on it. It was one of the original, uh, one sheets for, for them. I love that poster and I got a replica of it or had one hanging on my wall down in, down in the old, down in the old world. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but here, like I say, there's just no wall space. I'm hoping to one day, you know, the hope is to one day have a bigger area that is, you know, the studio office space that has all the wall space and shelf space I need to, to really yeah, I know. What I want to do with everything so uh yeah uh, we can't all be rifing and have storage containers well now listen rifen well here's the thing for the longest time i did have it in storage when i first moved to north georgia and then uh when i moved into a house where i could unload everything i did that and at the time i had a whole spare room that could have been that was going to be you know primarily the star wars room and then i got married or was getting married so i had to clear that out sure and uh sold off a huge huge chunk of my collection but um you know i'm i'm real bad about for everything that comes in something goes out i'm real bad about hoarding and keeping the stuff that i have so i end up with just piles and boxes and stacks and that sort of thing but um i'm trying to I, be better i get you 100 here's one other thing i want to show you um oh sorry you can't you can't really see i don't know if you can well, see it's like a shadow box kind of thing going on yeah there. and it lights up it's got a remote control on it yeah um but i, ha I don't have it plugged in because i'm carrying it up here but my daughter's she loves um actually this is her birthday present she won't watch so she won't know her birthday's coming up in a few weeks um but i got this i actually won this at the ieee oh, nice. oh, wow. um it's from a company called indecisive squirrel and mm -hmm. what the reason i was going to tell you about this is they make marvel comics the covers like this so oh, wow. so you could get a thor a spider-man a whatever in a 3d art it made all with wood um and it's of their of comic covers and cards like old marvel cards of our 
old Tops cards of Star Wars. They had those in 3D art like this as well. So, indecisive um, squirrel. No, I'm indecisive squirrel. Yeah, just they were indecisive nice. Indecisive squirrel 3D labs. Might be. I just know him as indecisive squirrel, but you'll see some of the artwork of the, of the, um, uh, Marvel, Star Wars, different things like that, and it's fantastic. They had a whole display, and I, I actually entered a contest for that, and I said my daughter loves, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and sure enough, I won. So it was great. Well, I I love stuff where people take uh, old Marvel comic covers and three D eyes them. I, I think that is. Well, you'll like these then if you, if you find yeah. it, if that's the right website right there. So I I don't know if they've got an actual website or it's more of a uh, Facebook page or what have you, but they uh, they definitely have some great well, artwork. I'm seeing are more fidget spinners and that sort of thing from this particular one that I found. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we'll find it. I'll, I'll send you the link. So I'll, I'll post okay. the link so people – as a matter of fact, I posted the link um, on Twitter. So it it's actually there's a link on Twitter for Indecisive Squirrel. Is and that it's, on your Joey Marinara or no, it's under the rule of galaxy. Rule of galaxy, great. By the way, okay, I'm gonna tell you a funny story about Joey Joey Marinara. <laughs> um so uh, to my older relatives, I was Joey, right? My dad, my dad was Joseph, my grandfather was Joe, he was big Joe. Then my dad was Joe, and then I was Joseph or Joey. And then we had our son, and we named him Joseph as well and he became joey and i became joe or joseph and so my daughter and my son-in-law my wife we were talking about it and i was like oh you guys you'd really enjoy steve glosson it, it, it you know none of them listen to the show just like you know oh, no. Oh, um, no. um but but i was like you would enjoy him he's very funny and i said he he knows a lot of stuff but he he does it in a real comedic way it makes it a lot of fun and i go and you know what whenever things kind of go wrong he calls me Joey Marinara and Joey whatever, and they're like, no, he doesn't. And I'm like, yes, he does. I was like, if you ever listen to the show, you'd hear that he calls me Joey, and because they were like, nobody calls you Joey, and I was like, Steve Glosson calls me Joey, <laughs> and so now, now the joke is, they'll be around me and they'll be like, talk to Steve Glosson today? No, well, we're just checking Joey. Just wanted to see Joey. Just wanted to see. <laughs> and I'm like, great. Well, so schism in the family. <laughs> uh, yeah. So well, you know, I, I I never mean to be offensive. Um, you're not offensive. I uh, I I I love nicknames, and I love giving people nicknames. And um, especially if I if I don't like you, you probably don't have a nickname. <laughs> Either I'm doing an impersonation of you, or um, or I've given you a nickname. If I if I don't do an impersonation of you, giving I probably don't like you that much, or know you that well. <laughs> and so um, and, and so with right like with riley and bethany blanton um you know star wars report back in the day oh, yeah. when they started look they were young kid now they're oh, yeah. married and grown and have their own lives now and they're wonderful but i just called them the kids like i just i said well the kids are coming over you know i've got a podcast with the kids and and riley's like, i wish you wouldn't do that and i'm like i'm sorry man you're the kid <laughs> you know and now obviously i can't do that anymore he's he's so grown up and 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 Riley's always been so driven and successful and everything. Like I have a ton of respect for him, but I just they were young, so I called them the kids. And um and and so I, I, I end up a lot of times um you know, I get it hitting people more than more than uh more than endearing them, I guess to me. No, no, no. It's it's good. I think I think nicknames are great. I mean, my 
my son-in-law who um not to get into joe time here on the star wars podcast but you know uh he came in and his name's greg and uh he's a lawyer and so he goes by either the judge or he goes by uh gaylord because of meet the meet the parents and all that because you know so i mean but he comes from a family where you don't do that right like that's not so when he comes into the house and four different people call him by four different nicknames that's just how we do in the Molinero household. <laughs> so he looks, he's like, I'm just Greg. And we're like, nope, you're, you're the judge. You're, you're Gaylord. Judge. Yeah, you're, yeah, I mean, sure. all kinds of different things. So, I mean, that's, it's terms of endearment. Right. So, um, but yeah, so it, it look as a recap of all this, I, I'm return of the Jedi. Let's face it 40 years ago to think that we're thinking about that. Um, ICC con, um, it's a it's a great event, and I look forward to next year. And I and I'll definitely let you know in case you could pull it off. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, being in the Nashville area, not not too distant from you, but I think you'd really enjoy it. And I think I think you would you would have a lot of fun with the people who are there. And heck, half of them probably know you already. Um, I the amount of Rebel Force radio shirts I saw walking around that place, I was like, okay, somebody oh, listens yeah. to listen, somebody. Yeah, listen, RFR. <laughs> look, I love you guys. You know, I do. Yeah. But man, those guys, those guys are the guys like they are. So yeah, there's no, there's no getting around it. Those guys are, are the, they're the walking dog as it were of, of star Wars podcasting. And in fact, they're the reason when I started podcasting, they're the reason I didn't do a star Wars podcast because I'm like, well, everything that I would do on a podcast, they're sure. doing. so let me then broaden it out a little bit and geek out loud. And, uh, you know, and so there, there it was. So, uh, before we wrap up, I really want to quickly say, you know, I know you were trying to start a, a, a Twitter war an online war with Scott Rifen and I, um, what? but Never, I, listen, no. I, watched, I know, I know you were shocked as I'll get out when Scott started his stuff, but you need to understand what you allowed Scott to do was, um, absolutely <laughs> come to the point where there's nothing I can say. He was so genuine and so sincere and look, Scott is a good friend. I I love Scott Rifen and I respect him. And Scott's given me the opportunity to live out my dream for three years. I was broadcasting on radio because of him, you know, so, um, and that's just a dream that, that he provided for me to be able to do and would allow me to do it again. If I, if I had the time, you know, and, and would step in and do it, but, um, he, uh, he, he knew what he was doing. I, that's not to say he didn't mean every word he said. But in meaning every word he said, he knew what he was doing to me. He was absolutely taking any ability for me to be like, you know, anything about him. So thank you for giving Scott the final volley over the net. Oh, on me. no, no. Look, I know. Listen, I love Gloss. Gloss is a great friend. I love him. And, uh, and <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I don't know why he's coming at me so hard. I love Glosson. And so, but yeah, but. it's. Uh, you know, I listened, you had a, a listener send you a message every day saying you and Steve just need to do a show all the time. While I agree with that, I also kind of like the fact that it's sporadic because yeah. then it builds up, right? right like right. It, it, It's like every month, all of a sudden, it's just boom, clash of yeah. that. You got Godzilla and King Kong going at it, right? I if mean, you it's can, just... if you can see the text threads, like it really is like, <laughs> Um, me just trying to give Scott a hard time, you know, and, and, and then, and then Shaz will kick in too. There's like a text thread between the three of us and Shaz is always, Shaz is just like, you don't get a kinder, 
more yeah. welcoming, nicer guy than, than Chaz. He's just such a good dude, you know? Um, and then Scott is Scott. Scott's so knowledgeable and so everything. Oh. And I'm like the child in the group. That's like, well, let me just, you know, <laughs> come in here and, and drop a stupid joke or say something dumb or try to, you know, try to, try to poke the bear, you know, stir the hornet's nest. And, um, and I, I do, when I get around people like you and Scott and all this, I realize how childish I actually oh, am. Oh, no, no, so. no, man. I, like I said, I feel completely blessed that one that I've been doing this for three years now, but two that I, I said it to him to, to think that guys who I listened to for years and love their content would just take the time to come and actually become friends with us on our show and, and, and do the show with us. It, it means the world to me. So he, he, he was teasing, but at the same time, he was being very sincere. Well, to um, be fair on your show, I like you and I like D dot. <laughs> I'm okay with Alfie Brent. I'm still on the, I'm still on the fence about. <laughs> Cannot wait to hear that. Um, but, but you know, those two, all they do is poke the bear. You talk about right, tech yeah, change. Yeah, that's right. It's just Alfie throwing a lob over, <laughs> Britt throwing one back. And I'm like, guys, please. Um, I, I did want to finish on this, though. You, we joked around about you meeting um, Jack Harvey, the IndyCar mm -hmm. driver. And and I tell people all the time, and I, I've talked to Jack since then. And You're talking about the best looking man I've ever <laughs> been on a podcast I, with? Yeah. I, I told him that comment, and he was... He was so embarrassed, but also just laughing hysterically. Yeah. He thought it was so funny. Um, but that lucky son of a gun, I don't know if you saw the postings. Adam Driver did the green flag at the wow. Indy 500. Yeah. Before the 500, he and Jack Harvey got to sit down and meet and talk Star Wars. Yes. Wow. Did yeah. Harvey talk Star Wars with him? Yes. He showed, him his, he showed him his Star Wars racing helmet. He signed it. Oh. <laughs> So well, I'm just, I mean, like, did, did Harvey know that like Adam has um, some mixed history with, I think so. But I, he, it's that British voice. He yeah, probably was able to true. smooge it right well, over. Also, and... also, he's not just some weird fan running up. Like he's one of the racers and he's there. I get it. Yeah, but yeah, man, I tell you what, he, that dude, that was fun. And, and I was just sitting there like, <laughs> what am I even doing on this show right now? Why am I even here? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh man. And then, and then in a panic, what do I do? I pull out the most offensive trading card in the world and I just keep going back to that. That's not, that's not good. That's not wise. Uh, that's not a, that's not a morally upstanding individual in the community. That's someone who's like, let me keep making the lowest common denominator joke. People, people love it. And people loved you. It was great. So I appreciate it. And you know what? Uh, one day I'm going to have you get to an IndyCar race and sit down and talk Star Wars with Jack and just be like, okay, uh, I'm I'm gonna melt now because I'm getting this British accent talking Star Wars to me. But I actually did I actually did bring Jack up to Ian McDermott. Yeah, he and I were talking about things and being in Indianapolis. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going home to watch the Indianapolis 500, and a, a a British racer is in it, and we're very good friends. And he's he's a big fan of you and Star Wars. And he looked at me and he goes, really? And I said, yeah. I go, do you ever watch the 500? He's like, not really. And I said, well, you should. I said, Jack would love to know that you're cheering for him because. You know, yeah, yeah, British British guy in Star Wars, and he was like, "I will look into it." And I thought that's pretty cool. So I told Jack, I said, "The Emperor's on your side." So you know, go out and do your best. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Steve, I look, I appreciate you always taking the time. You're you're a yeah, good man. friend. I and, love it. I enjoy it. And uh, I think we hey, had some good talks here. 
Indeed, so. indeed, indeed. Yeah. I'm a better I'm a better podcast guest than I am a texter. So <laughs> there you go. Don't worry about that, man. I will pester you until you finally answer. You're welcome um, to do so. I'm glad you do. Yeah, that's that's what sales guys do. We pester people until they say yes or no. So um, you go have a great day. Thanks you so too, much. Man. Thank you for for all of our listeners. And everything. Hey, it was Steve Glosson. You know it's going to be a good show. I'm hopefully, hopefully you get a chance to check this one out. Until next week, may the force be with you.